0: Radio.
1: going on everybody we're back this is episode 199 of the dark windows podcast the penultimate episode as next one will be our final or at least we keep telling ourselves that <laughs> my name is kevin
2: and uh, no, I'm, I'm kevin as well um kevin kevin with uh kevin with some uh allergy issues always right got now.
1: something to bitch about man shut up bitch um 200 is not gonna be our final episode we're just uh we just like fucking with you guys because it's fun um, so, uh, for anybody, any of our listeners here in the States, uh, or across the pond, well, or above in Canada, well, I mean, now, well, they gonna... don't do Memorial Day. They have their own things.
2: Yeah. That's what I'm saying.
1: Like Canada does Remembrance Day. I don't remember when that one is. I don't know when, uh, England's is exactly, That's but what everybody I, I... does it, but ours is close to our hearts because it's ours. It's our, it will be referred to as Memorial Day. Yeah. This is a. And it's going to be a couple days late, but you know how we do. Any chance we get to talk about some bad sons of bitches... We're going to do it. We're going to do it. And this is in honor of our Memorial Day that passed uh, yesterday, as of the time of recording. Yes. So, two days ago by the time you guys hear this. Um, And as always, Memorial Day, we are going to talk about uh, a couple of dudes that have passed since then. And then when it comes to Veterans Day, we try to find uh, living badass it, but, it,
2: but if it, we happen to find a uh, veteran that passed, that was a badass, that we just ultimately have to cover, right. we cover them, Right. So, I but mean, for
1: Memorial Day, we're very specific as to this is someone who's no longer with us, and we yes. are going to honor their memory by fucking up words in their lives, potentially their names, because we're pretty good at that, and uh, telling their crazy, balls-out stories in most cases. And I don't think this week is going to disappoint
2: no, and I, I, and actually, uh I think that uh like mine, I kind of stumbled sideways into them, like,
1: uh ass first, you say no, no, not ass first <laughs> not backwards.
2: Well, uh, I mean, I have no ass, so it could be sideways do it I could, it, it could we,
1: be. we have a shared a shared genetic there, yeah
2: for no ass yeah it's uh but uh, you know, I mean, for me excuse me um mine i i just kind of stumbled sideways into him yeah i was like holy fuck okay uh yeah i saw this little tiny bit on this gentleman i want to know more
1: absolutely same with mine
2: yeah i I didn't know if you know kevin here if 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 you actually had did the same thing if you were like
1: well the thing is is like i didn't know a bunch about this dude Okay. But I know a bunch about all of the shit that he was involved with.
2: Okay. Um, so now, now as usual, per our, our, uh, our unwritten agreement, we go in order. It's one of uh, the unwritten
1: rules of baseball, my uh, friend. We go in
2: order of oldest to newest. Okay. We're so. gonna go
1: by birth date this year, this time. Ooh.
2: Okay. Yours is probably older than mine, possibly. I think so. Let's see. Let's hear it. Mine was born in twenty
1: nine. Oh yeah, I got you beat. Okay, so I am going to go first. Before we get going too far, I do want to mention. I finally found my uh, my fucking excellent Let Them Fight podcast shirt. Um, if you are if you like what you are about to hear that we're about to do here, go listen to them because they do a very similar thing. They talk about just badasses, criminals, serial killers, and the difference is they're actually funny.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. Some of the shit they say will probably offend some people, but if you listen to us, you'll probably be okay. So uh so for this one,
2: I'm going to say this. Open a cold one. Too late. <sighs> it is too late cuz we both have opened a cold one. That's a soda, beer, whatever. And in
1: honor of my gentleman, I got a Belgian. Oh. So, well, he's not Belgian, but you know, he does some shit in Belgium.
2: Aha. Uh-huh. Well, mine. I don't know. He's not Canadian. I had. He better
1: you know. not be. No. We'll have a fucking problem. I will fight you if this dude's Canadian. It's true. He's not. Any other time, I'm totally cool with it. But I will fight you this week yeah, if he's no. Canadian.
2: No, no, no. Um. So yeah, because you know, for these gentlemen, we gotta we gotta do this, and you know, have a you know, cheers to them. Oh yeah. And. You know, and I I I want to say. This is probably the one guy that I've done so far that I, I actually fucking watched a thing on him, and I absolutely love this motherfucker.
1: I couldn't find a lot of videos on this gentleman, but uh, I do know for a fact that both of these guys are going to be smiling down from Valhalla as we, uh, as we tell their stories, because oh. uh, god yeah. damn. So anyway... Yes. Let's kick it off. Let's get into this. We are first going to make a quick stop in the little itty-bitty area of Braddock Township, Pennsylvania, which is a nice, quiet little area. It's just down the uh, Monongahela River. I pronounced that correctly, too, because I made sure, from Pittsburgh. And uh, we're going to stop there in 1916, where, where our story starts with a... One particular family in town, they bring home their bouncing baby boy, August 27th, 1916. And little did they know, he would become one of the baddest sons of bitches in the history of Pennsylvania. Okay. That boy's name was Leonard Alfred Funk Jr. Oh. And he had a fairly normal childhood. I shouldn't say normal
2: He's of the Funk Clan.
1: Yes, couldn't find a lot <laughs> yeah. about his childhood, but nothing popped up as being abnormal. Like uh-huh. there wasn't like a he didn't get kicked in the head by a fucking horse or something that you know triggered this like I'm going to go kill people thing. Yeah, uh, nothing weird, just a f- normal dude. Um, not what most people would be considered to be a a big strapping lad. Uh, full grown, he stood. Let me rephrase that. He towered over people at five foot five inches. And weighed in at an impressive one hundred and forty pounds. Wow! So he's built like I was in fifth grade.
2: He is like
1: no. A little feller.
2: Yeah, and then that's close to like, I think that was actually close to not making
1: it. Yeah, I believe five foot four was the cutoff. Yeah,
2: um, yeah I think he that was, was definitely to too wait.
1: short to be a pilot.
2: Yeah,
1: um, but the good news is he didn't need to be in the air to fucking kill Nazis. Nah, because they're on the ground too. Exactly. So uh, this is where it's a little weird. I'm not sure if he didn't finish high school or if he was in the process of trying to continue his education. But he's attending a school for adult learners in June of 1941. And uh, he decides, you know what? Fuck school. I'm going in the army. Okay. Good call, by the way. Uh-huh. Uh, he signed up then and there. Well, obviously, well, maybe not there. But you get the idea. You don't. Yeah, most yeah. people don't like sign up to go into the army like in the middle of class. He had to go to a separate building. Hey, uh, never know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so at 21 years old, he made basic recruit training his bitch. He then heard rumors that there was this new program that was starting to kick off, and it paid a little bit better than being you know a boots on the ground kind of grunt. See, airborne. He went airborne. Oh, $50 extra. Yes, sir. $50 extra a week. A week, yes. That's big fucking money back then. Yeah. Or was it a month? It might have been a month because I think they were paid monthly. Month? Uh, it's, it's a month, yeah. But still, 50 extra bucks a month in the 40s. He can afford the payment on his 1942 Corvette that he got right out of basic training like everybody else does because they they're stupid and they made a bunch of money with their sign on bonus. It's
2: either that or he fucking bought a Packard or something. The good
1: news is... Unlike a lot of dudes that get right out of basic training, he did not marry a stripper. Good good on you, buddy. You done good.
2: Well, during this time, he didn't really marry a stripper.
1: Well, you know, but you, you get the picture. So he would go do his airborne training at Camp Blanding in Florida, where he was assigned to Charlie Company 508th Parachute Infantry of the 82nd Airborne. Oh. The same division that my great uncle was in. 82nd? Yes, sir. So the other badass. Yes. The ones that the HBO didn't do a show about. But yeah. they very well could have.
2: Because they were at the bulge.
1: Because they did a lot of bonker shit. Anywhere the 101st went, the 82nd was there, too. Uh-huh. D-Day, Market Garden, Battle uh-huh. of the Bulge, 82nd oh, was yeah. fucking there. But. They don't get the same recognition because HBO didn't do a thing on them. And no. their logo isn't as cool as the Screaming Eagles. I
2: think actually the 82nd was the first one to make it to... Also, the 82nd the...
1: Airborne Division has been around longer than the 101st.
2: Yeah, I think the 82nd, though, made it to the Eagle's Nest first.
1: Uh, they were also at the Battle of the Bulge first. Because when yeah. they were leaving, the 101st were replacing they, they, Yeah, they were they're just replacing it. They were cycling out. Yeah.
2: Yeah. They had it... They were the ones that, if you've seen Banner Brothers, like, the guys walking out. Yeah. That were that was know, the 82nd. That was the 82nd, how they were banged up and shit. That was them. But they also had the same mentality of, you know, pro- they would have had the same mentality if um, they were there during with, uh, which I think they might have actually been, if I'm not with mistaken. Patton? Yeah, I think no, they... No, pa-
1: Patton came in and relieved the 101st.
2: Yeah, but I think they actually... The 82nd, if I'm not mistaken, because doing a. I actually did a paper on these guys for college on uh, the 101st. Um, I believe that the 101st was on one side, and then the 82nd, I believe, was on the, on the other Some, side. Somewhere I in think there. they both fucking hated Patton because Patton took credit for, oh, we came in, we came today. And they were like,
1: fuck you. We don't yeah. need your help. In all reality, though, they kind of did.
2: <laughs> no. No. Now, they said they, they like you talked to.
1: If you could have talked to anybody that was in either one, they would said no, no, no. We didn't need his help. No, but in all reality, they did. They won't admit that they did, but they did need his help. Mm-hmm. They held the line. So this is these guys are hard charging, skull yep. crushing, ball smashing, death from above. Yep. This was actually also the first parachute regiment formed at Camp Blanding. Wouldn't be the last, but it was the first, which makes it more prestigious, in my opinion. Yes. So he wouldn't stay in the, in the United States long because, you know, after getting out of jump school, there's no Nazis here to kill. No matter what MSNBC wants to tell you or CNN or whoever, there's no fucking real Nazis here to kill at this mm-hmm. point in time. Probably still isn't. It's just a bunch of dumb fuck idiots. Uh, so he ships off to jolly old England with the rest of his regiment when they did a little bit further training to get ready for the invasion of mainland Europe. Um, At this point in time, they're training with uh, like 101st British airborne. I'm not sure what divisions and believe it or not, the Polish airborne, because the Polish airborne were kind of hauled out through, I Mm -hmm. believe out through like at Dunkirk. And they brought as many of these guys back with them to help because as much as we want to pick on the Polish for, you know, having an airborne division where they tried to jump into planes. They were badasses, regardless. Um, so he thought this was a good idea, considering the U.S. has already invaded and conquered England. Now it's time to move on to the next obvious target of mainland Europe. So, fuck you, England. We, you, didn't, you didn't invite us there. We came on, you know, unannounced, and we're like, we're going to let you guys stay this time. Even though you got your stupid helmets and your high socks, we're cool with it. Just send your ladies here to do our laundry and whatnot.
2: I didn't realize. I'm sorry, but um, I had to look it up. No extra starch, I had to look it up a little bit. I didn't realize the most famous 82nd Airborne man. Who was that? Alvin York. Yeah. 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 Um, Well. They received the Medal of Honor. Yeah. Yeah.
1: that's cool, because... Uh,
2: this is World War One though. Yeah, I was going
1: to say that's cool, because this dude's actually the most decorated member of the 82nd airport of all time. <laughs> uh, so, when people picture the invasion of Normandy, June 6, 1944, they pretty much think the crazy sons of bitches that are hitting the beaches, they're fighting through barbed wire, machine guns, the bodies and blood of those that came before them, but... There was another half of this invasion completely. Um, Paratroopers are dropped in behind enemy lines. Mm -hmm. So these guys did not have a good time. Um, Because obviously... I'll I'll just get to it here. So Sergeant Funk, he's now Sergeant at this point in time. He's worked his way up through the rank. Uh, So they jump out of a perfectly good airplane about 40 miles inland. And when they landed... Obviously, none of this works the way it's supposed to because you've got prevailing winds. You've got uh, planes being shot at with flat cannons. Nobody lands where they're supposed to. So when he landed, he damn near broke his ankle because he landed in an artillery hole and sprained his ankle to the point that he thought it was broken. But, But we wouldn't be talking about this guy if he was going to bitch out over a sprained ankle. Mm -hmm. So he gets right back in the fight. They spend the next 10 days carrying out night raids, blowing up 88 mm, uh, millimeter artillery pieces and making it miserable to be German and in France at the same time. Um, So the goal here is the plan was to fight back to the beach and take out artillery positions between there and the landing craft. So when Funk hits the ground, he pretty close to damn near breaks his ankle because he lands in a, a gopher hole of some sort or whatever. Um, but this wasn't going to be enough to take him out of the fight. He's he's not that guy.
2: Oh, fucking Nazi gopher hole. Yes,
1: yeah, exactly. Fucking SS gopher division. Oh, uh,
2: SS gopher division. So
1: they would spend. <laughs> oh,
2: damn, I wonder if they have a uh, wonder if they have uh, gopher Panzers too.
1: I don't think so. It'd have to be like those, like, cartoony, like, drill things. You know what so, I mean?
2: So, wouldn't it be a, I mean, it would be like a, uh, hmm.
1: It's hard I'm, I'm to thinking, say. I'm
2: thinking. I'm thinking of what, you know, what the, you know, because they wouldn't have Koenig's Tiger. They, they'd have something else. They'd have.
1: Like Koenig's Gopher. Yeah. Well, King no. <laughs> well, no. It'd be something
2: else. You know. It'd be something else that they'd be driving. I'm not sure yet, but I'm, I'm thinking about it.
1: I don't know. We'll We'll figure it out, though. So they'd spend the next 10 days carrying out night raids, blowing up 88 millimeter artillery piece and making it miserable to be German and in France at the same time, which probably still is. I mean, in France in general, is probably miserable. Um, I don't know. So when they link back up with the main invasion force, his stick checked in full, not so much as a scratch on any of his guys, which is almost com- completely unheard of for the time.
2: When he says stick, he means his unit. Yeah,
1: his uh, his landing, his uh, jump crew. Yeah. Uh, so it would have been like, uh, essentially like the squad that he was assigned to uh, within the battalion or platoon or whatever. Um, but yeah, it was almost completely unheard of that you didn't lose anybody in these jumps or fighting in Normandy because everybody lost people. Yeah, um, for sure. Either you were killed by Germans, you landed in the wrong place and had to hook up with another unit until you got back to wherever, but everybody lost somebody. He didn't lose shit. Um, so for the, uh, for his leadership and his tenacity during the, the fighting, he would be awarded the Silver Star and promoted to First Sergeant, which is pretty good. That's pretty cool for him because, you know.
2: It's a good field combination. Yeah. Field, field not an accommodation, but field promotion. Yeah.
1: And he's not about to call it a day after Normandy. Not his style. What's kind of funny, though, is now that they're in France and he's a really good leader and he's short. His dudes start calling him Napoleon. And this nickname stuck for basically the rest of his life. Oh, boy. (laughs) He didn't once kill his wife with a guillotine. But, you know but Napoleon had one of his wives killed with a guillotine. I thought, I don't know about that. I don't know. He fucking sucks. Anyway, short fuck. So from here, his unit would take part in the largest multi-day airborne invasion of all time, which is operation market garden. Mm. This operation is designed by uh, British field marshal, Bernard Montgomery, who depending on who you talk to was either a, either a brilliant tactician or a bumbling turd that shouldn't have been allowed to give commands to dogs. Okay. Um, his big issue was he refused to communicate at all with Dwight D. Eisenhower, who was the overall commander of the U.S. forces. Uh, Montgomery had the thought that you know we're in Europe, this is my campaign. Uh, I'm not. I, we're going to do things the way I want it done, which probably not the best idea. You should. That's more of a committee decision, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, sending these guys off to to do whatever. Probably a better idea to to consider what other leadership thinks should be done also. You know, at least have a conversation. Yeah. So this is also the, uh, we're going to win this goddamn war by Christmas battle, which uh, spoiler alert doesn't work out that way. Mm. Uh, what was supposed to happen is the allied paras are supposed to jump out of their planes. The Germans would see him coming down in, they'd poop their pants and surrender. Um, but since world war two didn't end right then and there, uh, we can assume it didn't work. Some 1500 planes flew over the Netherlands, dropping men from, uh, Arnhem in the North to Eindhoven in the South. Uh, they, they got it pretty rough. Uh, the British did, I should say, um, cause they were the ones that landed in Arnhem and they were the only ones that landed in a battalion of SS of, uh, wa- uh, Waffen SS, not Waffen SS, that's here air. Yeah. Nope. No. Wehrmacht SS. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because um, if they landed in a battalion
2: of SS, they're going to fucking, well, if Waffen SS, they're going to fuck them up.
1: Unless they landed in the Blades. It's true. Then it's a bad time to be British.
2: Very, very bad time. Yeah. I mean, you're going to be like, you know, yeah, you just, we've seen that, use...
1: we've seen that part of Indiana Jones with yeah. a big Nazi going the, through the propeller. <clears throat> they don't show it, but you know, it's implied. Wow, he's uh, Swiss cheesed, not Swiss cheesed chop suey. Uh, I don't know. Maybe a thin deli meat, you know? Uh, (laughs) No, he is definitely like
2: maybe chuck roast.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Ground beef. Um, Something. So if you've seen Band of Brothers, obviously, you know, the 101st landed in Eindhoven. Um, They didn't have it much easier. They landed among regular Wehrmacht, which was not the SS, but still they didn't have a good time. Uh, our guy, Alfred, uh, Alfred, guy, that's his middle name, our guy Leonard and uh, his 508 landed in the town of, of Nijmegen, um, which was they were <clears throat> where they were supposed to take a bridge to cut off Germans and allow Allied armor to move up through. Um, because unlike France, where you could just blast through the fields in a tank because the ground was a little bit um, rockier, a little bit more sturdy. Soil in this area is very soft, boggy, boggy. Yeah, they they can grow stuff like a motherfucker, but you can't drive tanks through it. That's where they wear clogs. Yes, <laughs> they also wear uh, windmills, if I remember correctly. Um, they don't wear them, but they build them. You could wear a windmill if you tried hard enough. Yes, um, sure. Or a mean, windmill could wear you. I think that would be more like it. You would be the windmill. Become one with the windmill. You would be like... It's very zen when you land, you know, chest first on the top of one and just slide down it very slowly.
2: Well, I mean, unless you're like, you know, it's like you're fucking, uh, I'm not going to say Autobot, but I'm going to say more like uh, a Voltron fucking cat where you're like, you'll like beam into it. What? The Voltron cats.
1: They 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 beamed into a windmill. No, no, I'm confused.
2: (laughs) You're like a fucking, you know, like you like beam how they like beam into a Voltron cat. So it's a Voltron Voltron windmill.
1: Windmill. Yes. Okay, I was concerned because I'm like, well, but
2: it's not doesn't it doesn't have like a uh, a form before it. It's just just a windmill.
1: Because I was trying to figure out where windmills and Voltron connect. Which one of the. Which one of the Voltron cats is Dutch? Um, is it the uh, one that... it's It's got to be the feet, because it would have the big wooden clogs.
2: Well, it would have the clogs on it. That's yeah. what I'm saying,
1: yeah. They'd be very brightly colored. Probably a blue with some gold trim, you know. I don't...
2: Hmm. Maybe.
1: Yeah, or white. I think white's pretty classy. They look like Elvis clogs. It's possible. You know, some fringe on them. Hmm. Some tassels and shit down the sides. Oh, no, that's, 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 uh... Cowboy clogs, man, I'm telling you. That's going a little bit far. Put some spurs on them. You Mm -hmm. get that click, spin, click, spin shit going on? I'm not sure.
2: I'm not, I'm not sure about that. I
1: think we just created the gayest shoes of all time. (laughs) So the 508th jumped on the first day of the invasion, which was Sunday, September 17th of 1944. And for the first time in the war, and possibly the history of airborne battle, About 90% of his unit landed within 2,000 feet of their drop target, which was unheard of. Usually you catch wind and it blows people, you know, all over the goddamn place. Fucking willy-nilly. Which, as much as that sucks, because then you have to regroup, it makes it a little bit harder to get pinned down with, uh, you know, small arms fire, mortars, tanks, stuff like that. So when these guys land in a big clump, the Germans are just like, oh, hey, look, these guys that aren't supposed to be here mm-hmm. and they just light them up. So now that they're on the ground, Funk's guys main objective is they're supposed to take out three 20 millimeter tank. Uh, tw- I'm sorry, three 20 millimeter anti-tank guns um, and kill the crews because they were shooting at the, uh, the U S gliders that are coming in, which were the, uh, the horsey gliders, the ones that are basically made of fucking balsa wood that you could shoot through with a spitball, you know, Anybody not familiar with balsa wood, go to, like, a Hobby Lobby or a Michael's and find these sheets of super, super thin wood that you can bend almost in half and they won't break. That's balsa wood. Yeah. Uh, it's thin. Yeah. It's it's, it's not, not a good building material unless you're doing, like, uh, I don't know, scenery for some kind of little thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like a collage of sorts. Diorama is the word I was looking for. I think so. Yep. So... As disappointing and disheartening as this operation is going to turn out to be, spoiler alert, it wouldn't be for lack of trying on the part of the 508. So Funk and a small contingent of his squad charged the gun emplacements, chucking grenades in first, following them in, and just mopping up Germans with uh, Thompsons and M1 Garands and stuff like that. Um, probably the best way to kill Nazis, I would think, would be the M1 Garand, in my humble opinion, because if you run out of ammunition. It weighs like 16 pounds, and you could club a guy to death with it. It's like a bat. True. It's like a semi-automatic Mosin-Nagant, but really, really well made because it was built right here in the US of a. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, so he, he... I mean, you know, uh, I wouldn't mind, you know,
2: some of the other ones. Right.
1: I personally need a Lee Enfield SMLE Mark IV. That's my, my next World War II rifle that I absolutely need. Um, I want a Garand, but they're even to find one in not great shape. They're like seventeen hundred dollars. Mm. So fuck that. So he led his men to kill twenty Nazi shitheads, and again didn't lose a single man. For this, he'd be awarded the Distinguished Service Cross, which is the second highest award for badassery that the army offers. So he's working his way up. He's he's working towards. Not Medal of Honor. He's he's collecting stuff to cash in towards it, like he's at the arcade with his tickets. Of
2: course, you know you have to, you know, collect so many medals to turn them in for a uh, Medal of Honor. Oh, well, obviously, yeah. It's it's uh, there. I think there's a prerequisite. Um, I mean, unless you know, your Me- ma-
1: purple hearts don't count. You can get as many of those as you want. That doesn't mean that you're doing something crazy. It just means you're in the wrong place at the wrong time. Sometimes
2: I'm just gonna say, unless you're, mo- or like- sometimes
1: you cut yourself shaving
2: or unless you're the guy that I, I'm going to cover and you just kind of skip all that and,
1: you know. <laughs> injured what are you talking about injured <laughs> i'm just
2: going to say you know just no spoilers just going to say that you know he just just says fuck it i i i don't want the fucking you know the 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 the, the other jewelry i'm just going to go right for the big one
1: why do i get the feeling he's going to give that allen iverson practice speech yeah practice, practice. What do you mean wounded? We ain't wounded. We ain't <laughs> yeah. here to get wounded. We're here to win <laughs> medals. I don't want no medals. I want metal. Oh, that's metal. My- Singular. <laughs> so of course, now that we're past Market Garden, he's not about to just kick his feet up and hang out in HQ, drinking coffee and shooting the shit with the officers. Fuck it, let's do it. He's an NCO. He works for a living. Oh, so yeah, yeah. he ain't done yet. He would continue his uh, his tour de killing Nazis across Ooh. Europe. The tour to killing nuts. Yep. The uh, next checkpoint being Belgium. Ah. Uh, this is where you got to be careful because the roads start to wind a lot. Uh
2: huh.
1: It gets slick. Yeah. Uh. The the, the painting in the in the roads, your lines, they get wet and you'll wipe out and take out half the field with and it. And
2: then you might get lost in a big fucking forest yep. that gets really fucking cold. And you'll marry
1: Cheryl Crow and only have oh. one testicle uh. and do a bunch of steroids Ouch. <clears throat> and be a disgrace to your sport if you even consider riding a bike a sport. It's an activity. It's like tennis, it's not a sport, it's an activity. It's kind of hard, though. Golf's not a sport, and it's an activity. Yeah, but
2: I don't think I could do the shit they do. So. I could ride a bike. Yeah, <clears throat> but you couldn't ride a bike for uh, with the the pace and stamina that they do. No, but I could ride a bike. Yeah? But you can't ride a bike up a fucking, like, uh, 23 degree plus. How do you know?
1: When was the last time you saw me ride a bike?
2: I'm pretty fucking sure you couldn't do I it. But I could.
1: I might have to get up and push it, but I'll finish. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. You have to ride it. No. Yeah. I'm, I'm hurt. I twisted my ankle. I got to walk it. <laughs> nope. Yep. You watch me. <laughs> that, that you're disqualified. And people that consider swimming a sport. Swimming's not a sport. It's a survival mechanism.
2: That's true. You know? I will agree with that.
1: It's... Oh, wow. Michael Phelps is the best swimmer ever. Okay, so he's the best at not drowning. Good for you. He will. You fucking... long-armed, big-eared, stone fuck. Hey, so what? Listen. He, you're just jealous because he'll outswim your
2: ass to get to the boat faster than you, and then then tell him to take off.
1: Swim like that. You don't need a boat. It's like being, you know, Usain you sure. Bolt. You don't need a boat. You just run across the top of the fucking water. <laughs> All right. Okay. Okay. Uh, so he's like we said. He's headed to Belgium in the winter, mm-hmm. which is a, a not good time to be in Belgium because you know. Spoiler alert! In case you're not familiar with a. Uh, uh, you know, international weather and shit, Belgium gets cold in the winter because it's near Germany, which also gets cold in the winter. So,
2: which is near, you know, the other place that gets cold in the winter, which is yes. next to the other place that gets really cold in the winter. Yeah. You know, and it's place...
1: south of where it gets like cold in the summer. True. You know, like up into Scandinavia where it's, you know, I I, I don't know. I think the highest it gets in like Norway and Sweden is like 45 degrees in the summer.
2: I don't know. They're always
1: wearing sweaters, unless they're in black metal bands, and they just don't wear shirts. I don't know. They might. They might uh, not. You know. I don't know. I don't know if the high they got was like seventy. I'd move there, except then I can't have any of my fun stuff that I just purchased to save for. Well,
0: because
1: you, know, you
2: know, it's either those things or or
1: seventy degrees. I'll stay here where it's warm. I guess. Okay. Because it's warm and free. <laughs> for now, <laughs> for now, yeah, yeah. Now that our president has decided that a nine millimeter is a quote, uh, what the fuck did he call it? Oh my god, large diameter round, and said something to the effect of, "If you get shot with one, it'll blow your lungs out." Yes. Wait till somebody shows him a four fifty four Kasul He'll shit into his shoes. You can't put that in though.
2: Yes, and and, and you can also you can use fucking, you know. You can shoot anything with a twenty two and kill it. Yeah, you know, you go shoot a fucking bear, you know, or some or an elk or something with a twenty two, It might fucking laugh at you,
1: mm. a large go, person. Go <laughs> they shoot, laugh at you. Go
2: shoot it. Well, depends where you shoot a person, right? I mean, but you know, like wild pigs and stuff. No, no. man.
1: Wait till he finds out about a, about a forty, like the forty five. which you'd think being a fucking fud boomer that he is he would know what a 45 looks like but you know maybe not listen Uh, they thought that
2: that goddamn uh you know black powder rifles because they were 50 caliber were fucking dangerous
1: 68 in some some situations 68 caliber the same diameter as a paintball but lead
2: (laughs) well they think those are fucking dangerous you know i mean come on Because you
1: could reload. I mean, you could reload on them so fast. Yeah. It's a
2: huge bullet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Which
1: is why the best of them back during the Revolutionary War were three shots a minute. And they were fast. Yeah. They didn't hit shit all with them. No. And anybody that's ever fired a black powder rifle or a muzzleloader or anything like that will tell you you can shoot. You can reload, then you have to wait because it's still so goddamn smoky. You can't see shit to shoot at it again. I mean,
2: nowadays not so much because they do have
1: smokeless powder. Yeah, but still, it still smokes. <laughs> uh, well, not a, not as much. It's like a silencer. It's it's not silent. It's
2: just quiet. But you can. But you I mean you can reload a muzzleloader now faster. But still, you still have to go through a whole yeah. process, and somebody can you know. Get
1: and when the, the cops stand outside and just let it happen, what difference does it make anyway? That's true. You know. That's true. Took a fucking off-duty border (laughs) patrol officer whose wife was one of the teachers saying, hey, I have an active shooter, and he pushed his way through the police. They tried to stop him, and he pulled the shotgun up on one of them and said, I'm going in there, and he fucking destroyed that jerk-off.
2: Well, he first got his kid and wife out. Yeah,
1: then he dumped a loaded double-op buckshot into that guy's chest at, like, fucking four feet. So. Because, I mean, you, you know. Scrawny shit turd.
2: Probably blew him apart like a fucking scarecrow. If it wasn't for that good old boy at that barbershop shop having that yeah. rifle, yeah, that's your shotgun, a shotgun. Well, sorry, yeah, you know,
1: because the fucking SWAT team that was there was just like, I don't know what to do.
2: You no, know, we were told to stand down. Yeah,
1: yeah, by fucking who?
2: They were told to stand down by the, uh, the chief or whatever was told them to stand down, to not yeah. to, not to go in.
1: Well, it's the same shit that happened so, with. Uh,
2: um, and they're going to get their asses sued.
1: It's the same shit that happened with uh, the one in Florida where the, the the resource officer ran out of the school and then the cops stayed outside. And uh, all it would have taken was one of them to go in, draw down on this guy and say, drop it. And he probably would have shot himself because these guys are fucking cowards. Same thing happened at that one out in, that mall shooting out in Oregon a few years ago some armed uh, armed civilian pulled down like drew down on him and the guy shot himself because he didn't want to get shot so you still got shot you shot yourself in the head yeah but he didn't want to you know i don't know anyway let's go back to talking about people that deserve to get shot sure (laughs) um so he's headed off to one of the most brutal fights of the war There. The U.S. is in the middle of a, this big push. It's a, a tactic called a salient, which is where you cause a bubble or a, a, a bulge, if you will, in enemy lines. So that you can kind of go in and around. Um, this bulge just so happened to be in the worst place ever.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, this
2: is the Arden Forest. Yeah, the
1: Arden Forest. Um, probably a beautiful place to visit, I would imagine now.
2: But. I would say... I mean, I've seen pictures of it, and Arden Forest looks... Beautiful, but uh, I'm not gonna go there in the middle of winter. No, not in the winter. No, I mean not that we couldn't handle it. I mean, you know, we have some cold ass winters ourselves, right? But,
1: but you know, <clears throat> it's just a, a a national genetic memory to not go there in winter. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the big problem that the airborne troops would run into is they're not really equipped to fight against armor. Um, and these guys, unfortunately, were unfortunately were not equipped to fight really at all in the winter because they didn't have the material that they needed.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, all the clothing and shit, the shipments had either been disrupted by the Germans or they'd gone elsewhere, and they didn't have what they needed. No. So they're about to have a very bad time.
2: Very, very bad time. Yes.
1: Airborne troops were deployed here to fight off what would become the last real big push of the Nazi war machine. Um For World War Two, because from here (laughs) they basically say we're going to throw everything we have at the at the Americans here, try to stop them, maybe break their spirit. If we kill enough of their guys, they won't want to keep going, which they didn't realize they were completely fucking wrong because we're like, nah, we got plenty more. Uh, We'll just send more guys here to kill all of you. Yes. And then after that, it was just the German home guard, which was, you know, mostly old men and Nazi youth, which. Hey, those fucking Nazi youth. That's another situation that you don't really want to... a fucking fight. Yeah, you don't really want to deal with that situation of uh, deciding whether or not you have to shoot a child in combat. most of the
2: time they didn't know that they were being shot by children. They didn't know at first they were being shot by children. Right. But... But if a child's shooting at you, sorry.
1: Yeah. That's another situation where they... Like, guys in uh, Somalia ran into that. Where, uh, like, well, I don't know what I'm going to do here. So... So the big problem here is airborne troops are not equipped to, you know, to fight against uh, armor or artillery or anything like that. Or really, in the winter, in this case, because these guys kind of jumped in with like next to nothing. Well,
2: they jumped in with next to nothing because, excuse me, uh, the supplies, yeah, for them did not get there in time. Right. Such as so, in, in 101st had the same scenario, right? But because when they, they didn't have the shit to get to the, you know, they, they were like, well, we don't have winter stuff.
1: But some so. of them did end up getting their great coats, which are fucking rad. Like the big, long, like fuzzy trench coat looking things. Oh, yeah. Yeah, some did, but some didn't. Yeah, though. some did, most didn't. It's probably the best way to put that. Um, and this, this, is,
2: um, this is probably, and if you probably could go back and talk to Mr. Funk... Or anybody else that fought during this time. If you, and if you have seen the Band of Brothers and you actually watched, didn't skip, but actually watched the beginning parts. Oh God, that is the best talk, part of those shows. Yeah, if they t- when they talk about uh, the Battle of the Bulge and talk about their time there, when some of them say that they wake up, they used to wake up at night still. Shivering mm-hmm. because it was so goddamn cold. Post-traumatic cold. It, and it as, like stays in your fucking bones. And I asked my dad about this because my dad was in Germany. Um, it was like Vietnam time. Vietnam was just about ready to end.
1: So like early uh, 70s. Something
2: like that, like 70 something. But it was getting ready to end and he didn't go to Vietnam, but he went to Germany instead. And I was asking him probably a good thing for the Vietnamese (laughs) knowing your dad. (laughs) I was asking him about all the stuff going, you know, how that was and how like how uh, how it would be like that. He goes, yeah, he goes, gets fucking cold.
1: It gets brutally cold there. Yeah, because I mean, if you think about it, if you were to stay on the same longitude where we are, right. And go straight across the ocean, we land in southern France, northern Spain. So we have a similar similar temperature. If you go from Germany or Belgium and you come straight over, that's like fucking Canada. So it's cold there in the winter.
2: I, I don't know. I think I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know about that. Well, I don't know. I'll, I'll take your word for it because I think we're actually like closer. I think we're actually further mm. up.
1: Now, if you look at it, we're we're really like bottom of France, northern Spain. Um, but anyway. Uh, so this, the, the battle of the bulge is really the last, it's hard to, hard to say really the last kind of, um, offensive push that the Germans will make during world war II, Cause at this point in time, Hitler's already kind of seeing the writing on the wall. Like the war is coming to an end. Not much we can do here. They're this close to the Rhine and some places they've crossed it and they're coming into Germany already. Uh huh. So we're just gonna throw everything we have at this one particular spot, try to break the Americans, and hope that we can at least extend this. Um the really like the last thing that they're able to really muster, aside from the home guard, which is a completely different fucking story. So this is the battle that will make the name Leonard A. Funk immortal. He's not the only one that this really happened with because of the battle of the bulge, but he's the only one we're going to talk about here. A lot of guys were made legends because of the battle of the bulge. Yes. Um, a lot of them didn't come back from it, but a lot of them that did, you know, their fucking names, uh, Ronald Spears comes to mind. Crazy, crazy son of a bitch, Ronald Spears.
2: And not as an, and actually not as hated as the show makes it there's a debate. thin
1: line between hated and feared and he was just like a step over feared away no, from hated not <laughs> true his guy I guarantee you like no. after the, the stories that went around from him his guys were scared shitless of him but they wanted him on their side because he was a good leader
2: actually not true um that part was actually made up for the show like another part that was made up for the show was the part with um Oh, I can't think of his freaking name. He was the lieutenant or whatever that uh kind of lost his shit when uh, Lieutenant Dyke? No. Not Dyke. Um the one that oh. uh, lost his shit when um Malarkey and um Yeah. No, he Toy... he
1: lost his shit, but he got it back quickly because he no. came back and became a lawyer.
2: He actually never lost his shit.
1: But he he became a lawyer and I want to say he was on O.J.'s defense team,
2: but he actually I actually uh read a my brother actually read a book about by him mm-hmm. and he was actually pretty kind of upset. And he actually, and I actually read the part of the, the story. Well, I mean, you ha- you have to, that he, that he actually never, never actually lost his composure. He was very, he was very upset because he was close to the guy. Right. But he never broke down like the, the movie said, which, wh- yeah, I get I that, have to, but have to take, you know... I can see
1: why they did it. I know. Because you, you that way you get a look at, how close World the- War Two's version of what PTSD looked like, where this dude just fucking shuts down. Yeah, and he he can't physically can't continue fighting. Yep, because his brain won't let him. It, it's
2: another part that they uh, <laughs> I hate to bring you know keep going with this. Another one, uh, blind. Yeah, yeah. Bly. He actually went on to be a sergeant.
1: Yeah, he wasn't he wasn't the the like I'm going to fake blindness pussy that he was on the show. No,
2: he actually you know. Went on to become a, the, uh, a sergeant of the uh, of the of uh, one of the units.
1: You know who we can all still disagree to like, though, was Private Upham from fucking Saving Private Ryan. Yes. He's a piece of shit. He is. Fuck that guy. Yes. Fuck that guy. Very fictional. Yeah, I know, but fuck that guy. <laughs> still. Because uh-huh. you know, you know there was some little bitch boy that was actually like that in World War yes. II. They didn't just make that up. I can't kill this guy. I'm just going to let him like watch him kill my one Jewish friend that's here with me and fucking smile about it. And then he's just going to pass me on the stairs. Well, I'm going to say Punk with this bitch. guy's
2: sweet ass mustache Dude, that I'm seeing. He's got a fucking
1: fantastic mustache. He's very very well maintained. Now, let me get back to it though.
2: So, um, I want to hear what he, you know, he's capable of. Okay.
1: So, early on in the fighting, his executive officer, XO, as we're going to refer to it, uh-huh. was killed. Um, Lieutenant, probably? I believe so. He's killed yeah. pretty fucking quick. Like, they were on the ground a couple hours, and this dude is done. Just okay. Dead. Um, so Funk kind of surprises himself and goes, I'm in command now. I am the captain now. <laughs> Except not a Somalian pirate. <clears throat> uh, so he took command and starts looking for some of these bad motherfuckers that he's hearing all about to help him att- assault the town of Holstein. Finding none, he has to improvise. Because obviously there are bad sons of bitches there already, but they're currently engaged with Germans. So he has to find guys that are badass that aren't busy. Not going to happen, unfortunately. So he waltzes into the clerk's office, trying to see if there's anybody penciled in to come back to the front. And as he's standing there, he's looking around, and he sees all these dudes just doing dumb shit, you know, Putting stock away, writing. Fuck, are you doing writing? In the words of Lieutenant Dick Winters, because we're going to go back to it. You're a rifleman first, and insert title second. So he's about to make these clerk boys men. Okay. He rounds up thirty of these semi non combatants, or in the words of the supremely talented Ben Thompson, who runs the website Badasses of the Week that I got some of my information from. Title, uh, credit words due because his books are fucking amazing. He refers to this group as the Renegades of Funk, which I fucking love. Nice. <laughs> so, he goes, "We're going to go on a little fucking adventure, boys." Okay. And uh by a little adventure, he means we're going to assault this town through waist-deep snow. First of all, we got to walk, we got to march through waist-deep snow about 15 miles to get to the town before we assault it in waist-deep snow. Okay. Um and he also forgot to mention that the Germans had gotten them a late Christmas present, which was lots and lots of artillery.
2: Oh, boy. Okay, so I'm... I'm <laughs> okay, so th-
1: this is... This, this isn't the, even
2: the crazy part. So I, I got to say this. I'm, I'm not spoiling anything for my stuff, but got, this is so fucking weird. Most, like, some of this, like, shit so far... Sounds almost like I could I could take my guy and put him in your guy's pot and you, you could take my because <laughs> your, 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 it's <laughs>
1: interchangeable badasses
2: yeah, yeah yeah so mine was mine was extra special though oh <laughs>
1: uh, uh, sweetheart we ain't even got there yet no well no no, oh. no, no, no. you'll get what I'm talking oh. about extra special
2: buddy well buddy okay there, there's there's a there's a reason why I say extra special because yeah
1: so they are humping through the Arden forest the artillery is exploding not necessarily always in the ground because some of it's also on a timer so it's exploding over them mm-hmm. which is bursting trees and throwing splinters uh some of the some of the shrapnel that these guys pulled out of their their kits were like the diameter of fucking pencils <laughs> that were sticking into their backpacks that somehow didn't hit them fuck man um But his ragtag crew of warriors would not be stopped because they had Leonard Funk at the helm. They attacked the town, clearing house after house and collecting German prisoners like Magic the Gathering cards.
2: You mean Haas after Haas. I don't care,
1: but they're collecting these motherfuckers like Magic the Gathering cards. Whoa. All in all, they come up with 80 Kraut captives. And one of the things I listened to, they kept calling them hostages. And they're not hostages because this is not a fucking bank robbery. They are prisoners of war. Yep. They're not hostages. No, they're captives. Yeah, they're prisoners. Yeah. So this would not quench his thirst for dead Germans. Because obviously we can't capture all of them. Some of them have to die. Okay. So the ones that fought, they killed. But the 80 that didn't fight, they took back with them. So Leonard leaves four of his guys to keep an eye on all of their new friends, and he takes the rest of his force to continue the attack into town. Unfortunately, the Germans are a crafty, you may even go as far as to say sneaky, people, and a group of Germans in winter camouflage sneak back into town.
2: Oh, sons of bitches.
1: And since there were more of them than there were Americans, you can kind of do the math. They played their fucking they Uno lost. reverse card. They lost. No, they, they fucking threw their reverse card down. Yeah, and like, they're like, ha, you're the prisoners now.
2: Oh, fuck, there was yeah. another reverse card throw? No,
1: dude, no. they didn't oh. ha- These guys had like a plus four. They played a plus four and a fucking reverse all in the same turn. Oh. Yeah, this was a motherfucker of a hand. Son of a bitch. But uh, after a little bit, he he'd kind of like calmed down. Leonard's bloodlust has settled. He's been satiated for the moment. And he okay. goes, I'm going to go back and check on my boys. Make sure everything's cool. Okay. Spidey senses are tingling. Something's yeah. not right. So as he approaches, he sees this group of men in white capes with white helmet covers, which looks suspiciously like the white capes and helmet covers that the Americans were wearing, you know, it, because not to be that guy, not easy to discern Germans from regular, like American white folks kind of no. all look similar, True. you know? Um, so he's like, ah, cool. Someone some more of our boys showed up and, uh, Unfortunately, these were not American troops. He slings his Thompson and he walks up to one of the men and he's like, hey, buddy, how's it going? And he claps this guy in the shoulder and he turns around and stuffs an MP40 in his guts. So I'm going to do a copy paste here. I already did, actually. And we're going to hear uh, a government document. Then we're going to come back and hear the eyewitness version, which I think is the more believable one. An enemy patrol, by means of a ruse—that's how you know it's it's fucking government words because they use the word ruse. No one else has ever used that. Succeeded in capturing the guards and freeing the prisoners, and had begun, uh, perpetu- and had begun preparations to attack Company C from the rear, when First Sergeant Leonard Funk walked around the corner of the building and into their midst. He was ordered to surrender by a German officer who pushed a machine uh, a machine pistol into his stomach. Although overwhelmingly outnumbered and facing almost certain death, First Sergeant Funk pretended to comply with the order. He began to slowly unsling his machine gun from his shoulder, and then, with lightning motion, brought the muzzle into line and riddled the German officer. Oh
2: boy. It's Thompson, huh?
1: Yeah. He turned upon the other Germans, firing and shouting to the the other Americans to seize the enemy's weapons. In the ensuing fight, 21 Germans were killed, many wounded, and the remainder, uh, remainder, Jesus, and the remainder captured. First Sergeant Funk's bold action, uh, bold action, and heroic disregard for his own safety were directly responsible for the recapture of, va- of, the, of a vastly superior enemy force, which, if allowed to remain free, could have taken the widespread unit of Company C by surprise and endangered the entire attack plan.
2: There's his Medal of Honor.
1: Okay, that's from his Medal of Honor citation. But we had surviving eyewitnesses because you have to for a, a medal of honor, and these guys tell a similar story, but way more fun. The German officer started yelling at him. Uh, started yelling at him in. Uh, in <clears throat> the German officer started uh, started yelling at him in surprise. Fucking German, uh, and unfortunately, Funk didn't grow up in the right part of Pennsylvania to know any German. So he did the polite thing and smiled and nodded at the man. Like, yeah, I I hear you, buddy. Um, The officer kept yelling at him, and it got to the point that Funk lost control and started laughing in this very, very angry German man's face. (laughs) The officer gets mega pissed and starts yelling more and louder. And he kept telling him, I don't understand what you are saying. And the situation gets a little awkward because some of the surrounding Germans start laughing at just how absurd all of this bullshit is, too. Because these guys understand that he clearly has no fucking clue what they're saying. And they start laughing. Um, so as they're laughing, the officer looks at just kind of looks over at his men and they stop because, you know, it's discipline shit. Yeah. Uh, Leonard was still laughing as he very slowly, unslung his Thompson, racked it. And buried it in this guy's chest and fucking lit him up. A full 20 round stick magazine directly through this guy at point blank range. Some accounts say it was so close that his clothes were on fire when he hit the ground. (laughs) He reloaded, spun, and just kept fucking shooting. And as these guys are dying, he's telling his guys, pick up the fucking guns. They're German. You know how you can run them. You don't need fucking written instructions. It's a rifle. They all yeah, work the same. Exactly. Um, so in under a minute, 21 Germans laid in the snow with steam rising from their wounds and another 24 were recaptured. Which means that somewhere in the neighborhood of about 19, 18 to 19 of these guys just fucking ran away. Cause they're like, this man is clearly unstable. We need to get the fuck out of here or we're going to die too. Yeah. We're going to become snowbanks. So they bolt. Um, so the Battle of the Bulge uh, wouldn't mark the last of 1st Sergeant Leonard Funk's major contributions to the war Uh, he left military service in June of the same year with an honorable discharge obviously you don't get a fucking dishonorable discharge for doing that that's ridiculous so this however was not the end of his story after separation he continued serving other members of the armed forces by working for the, uh, the VA and until his retirement he worked as a uh, as a division chief for the Pittsburgh VA for 27 years after he retired. He continu- uh, continued to live out his life in his hometown of Braddock township. So he went right home and uh, he passed away November 22nd, 1922 quietly in his sleep because that's the only way death can take any of these guys as while They're sleeping because if not, he doesn't stand a fucking chance. Leonard Funk never married, had no children, so we have no one to carry on this legacy of badassery. Um, but obviously there are there were fond memories of him from guys in his unit, and everybody that knew him in town were like, he's just a genuinely good dude. You can't, you can totally not tell by just having a conversation with this guy walking down the street that he's killed hundreds of Germans, 20 of them in one fucking shot. You yeah. can't tell that because he's just like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm fine, yeah. all good, you know. So, he was awarded, and this is the, the list here, the Combat Infantryman Badge. Parachutist badge with two combat uh, combat jump devices. Because he... It should be three, I think, because he did technically make three combat jumps. Unless they were trucked in for the bulge, which is possible, because you wouldn't really jump into that. So, yeah, so it would be Normandy and uh, Market Garden with the two. Uh, combat jumps Uh, World War II victory medal European African Middle Eastern campaign medal with arrowhead device and four bronze campaign stars American campaign medal, American defense service medal Army good conduct medal Purple Heart with two bronze oak leaf clusters, bronze star silver star, distinguished service cross and the medal of honor, making him the most decorated man to have ever served in the 82nd Airborne Division, to date. Um, so, holy shit! Yeah, that was Leonard Funk. Um, wow, that was whew. so one bad dude. So, I'm gonna have to really lock in and uh, and focus on yours. Speaking of which, we here at
2: Dark Windows Podcast have been trying a new little item and feel. It's time to tell you, our Dark Windows family, about it. This new item is Magic Mind. Magic Mind is a daily herbal supplement. It helps with giving you energy, makes you relax, keeps you focused, and makes you happy. We took this drink for seven days in hopes of helping us with some of our daily issues, such as, for me, it was stress. Doing my everyday job, it helped me keep grounded and deal with stressful situations as they come.
1: My big problem that I have at work, and in general, is staying focused on a task. A couple of the ingredients in this have actually helped out greatly. The Bacopa monnieri, which is a natural nootropic that helps with procrastination, which I suffer with a lot. And it kind of works like natural Adderall, except you don't get that weird come down from it. Another couple that helped me out a lot are the Lion's Mane and Cordyceps Mushrooms, which are also nootropics that help to boost clarity and focus, which also help with that whole procrastination thing that I have an issue with.
2: And this is why we stand behind this. Yeah. We recommend that you guys... Do this.
1: And you guys know us. We're not going to recommend anything that we wouldn't use ourselves or anything like that. So if you are interested in trying Magic Mind out, you can go over to magicmind.co. That's magicmind.co forward slash Windows. If you put in at checkout the discount code of Windows 20, you'll get a 20% discount for a single time purchase. Or if you subscribe, you'll get a extra 20% off which will bring you up to 40%. See, this stuff helped me do math better. So that's again, magicmind.co forward slash windows and put in windows 20 at checkout to get a discount. Now, where were we again? Okay. So
2: yeah, uh, I have a gentleman by the name of Ronald Rosser
1: Rosser. Yes.
2: Okay. Mr. Rosser was born October 24th, 1929 in Columbus, Ohio. He is the oldest of 17 children. Yes, I said 17.
1: <laughs> I didn't uh, know they had Mormons in Ohio. Well,
2: back then, you you had a large family. And at the age of 17, he joined the military. Uh, he's This is a quote from him talking about being the older brother. He said, quote... If you bothered one of my brothers, I cleaned your clock. (laughs) And if you bothered one of my sisters, you better leave town. Yeah. He was that kind of guy. Hey, he's protective of his family. This sets the stage, you know. Hmm. Uh,
1: I wonder if he's going to be protective of his men in combat, scratches his head. uh, Hmm.
2: This was a a quote that he gave to uh, the Library of Congress Veterans History Project interview. Um, which I encourage everybody to actually go watch yeah. if you want to, if you want to actually see. They've got
1: a pretty great website, too. Yeah, if you actually I, a, to, I found a lot of stuff on there. If you want to actually hear
2: it verbatim from, from his words. Um, so he would serve in the Army for the first time. Yes, I said for the first time <laughs> from 1946 oh. to 1949. Yeah, I know where he's going then. Um, he became a paratrooper and served as part of the post-World War II occupation force in
1: Japan. And Germany. I was to say, homeboy's going to spend some time in Southeast Asia, I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah, well, yes. <laughs> uh, before he uh, would
2: get out, his brother, who was the next oldest to him, um, had already joined the military. Okay. And now, was be...
1: dad in the military at some point, too?
2: Uh, I don't know. Hmm, okay. I don't know, to be honest with you. Because
1: he was born in, what, you said, 40? 29. 29? 29?
2: dad would have he would have been from. world war one no not even no
1: maybe eh. if he was a kid like you know real young like seventeen, yeah. eighteen. 17 18
2: i don't know i don't know how old mom and dad were no it didn't
1: i'm just curious with all the with everybody joining the military it seems like there'd be some kind of a yeah i, a I family don't, history of that you know
2: i i didn't he didn't even say if there was or not hmm, okay um so his brother joins, and when he gets out of the military, he went to work in the mines like his father did. Uh, he got, and then while working in the mines, he would get the news, the news that nobody wants to get, that his brother was killed in Korea oh, at, shit. in February of 1951. Well, this lit a fucking fire under He's him. He's going
1: Wyatt Earp. Yeah, <laughs> You much. tell him power's coming, and I'm coming with it.
2: <laughs> yes. Uh, he decided to re-enlist into the army, and he looked at it like he was actually completing his brother's tour of duty. He said, quote, I'd made up my mind before I went there that you can't kill my brother and get away <laughs> with it. This uh, is what he said.
1: You fucking Chinese are going to pay for this.
2: Yeah. So he would give a refresher course for one week, and then he would get on a boat for <laughs> Japan, and he would uh, be there in Japan for a month.
1: So it's, it's basically like when you go to renew your license. I already took the test. Just give it with the paperwork. Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> Can you still run? Fuck you. <laughs> yeah. He, he would be there. He
2: would be in Japan for a month. I'm oh, sorry. A month and a half before he would be sent to Korea. He would get there in the middle of July of 1951. When he got to Korea, he was sent to, a, a, to support a mortar company, and he would become their forward observer. Oh! Uh, this would mean that he would call in mortar and artillery fire on the Koreans and Chinese.
1: Yeah, but this is also pre-GPS, so you have to have yeah. visual confirmation yes. of what you are calling an artillery on. Yes. So this guy's going out into fucking no-man's land by himself. Yes. I'm assuming very lightly uh, not geared. His,
2: not by himself. <clears throat> he would have one other guy.
1: Oh, oh, that makes it better. Two dudes against the entire goddamn well, Korean you gotta army. Have your,
2: listen, you got to have a radio man. Mm. Uh, according to him, he killed about 10,000 uh, Koreans and Chinese because Oop, of yeah. his calling in yeah. of uh, airstrikes. He also said that he would kill another 400 with a rifle. Fuck and, you, he uh, did. <laughs> and hand grenades. Uh, he also said that he was the top soldier in hand to hand combat because uh, he would go on to kill 20 people in hand to hand combat.
1: We're going to talk. What, actually- what is this fucking blood sport? Yeah, we're gonna actually <laughs>
2: going to talk about those 20 people. Oh,
1: this isn't the same guy that you've already covered that killed dudes with a shovel, is it? Mm, no. Okay. No. Now, without spoiling anything,
2: damn near close.
1: Does he kill somebody with a shovel? No. God damn it. It's damn near close, though. Uh, so he's got a, he's got a fucking uh, like a garden rake. He's out there. He's with. got a blood feud. Put it that okay. way.
2: Uh, he would get his uh, get to his unit, um, and he would be told by his captain that because he was an experienced mortar man, he would uh, be sent to the third platoon as a first gunner. Uh, he told his captain, "Quote, no sir, I'm not going to third platoon." I'm going to the
1: line. Pound sand, fuck face. I want to kill these guys with a gun. (laughs) His captain
2: then told him that he runs the company and he tells people where they're going and he was going to the third platoon. Yeah. Uh, Once again, Mr. Rosser told him he wasn't going to the third platoon or any other platoon that he was going on the line. (laughs) The
1: captain came back again with a firm... No, you are not. How do you punch out eat dicks in Morse code? No, I don't know. (laughs) But Mr. With that.
2: No, Mr. Rosser got right into the captain's face and told him he was going to the line (laughs) and you can't stop me. Listen here, dickhead. The captain told him that the only people on the line were the forward observers and the radio operators. Oh, well, how convenient,
1: because he was a forward observer already. He
2: said to the observer, captain, not observer. Yes. Yeah. Uh, this is when Mister Rosser told the captain that he was the best forward observer that he ever had. Okay. <laughs>
1: They I know would... you don't know me, but I'm the best at my job of anybody that you've ever had do this exactly. job. Exactly, That's some ballsy, like, interview material stuff right there. Yeah. That's that's the kind of interview you show up to and you bring your lunch with you because you're starting that day.
2: Yeah, you definitely. They
1: don't know it yet, but you're starting that day. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. They would go back and forth
2: for a bit, and finally he would, uh, was sent to the line.
1: Yeah, because as... his captain's like. Fuck it. I hope he gets killed up there. Yeah, well, he yeah. was
2: sent on to the line as a radio man, and then he would, uh, go, you know, he do was probably some missions, and then actually he became an observer, mm-hmm. like he was. Uh, he would be wounded four times while he was on the line. Ah, nothing. Uh, he would be wounded on a on Bloody Ridge. Some people are gonna probably recognize some of these, uh, like, uh, at least uh this next one people are going to recognize you have, you
1: have to remember at least when you're having a conversation with me all of my knowledge about the korean war comes from mash so well
2: you're probably going to hear about this one because so unless
1: hawkeye mentioned this one i probably don't know it
2: you probably know this next one because uh if you've seen any Clint eastwood movies you'll know this one uh because he won a medal of honor for it
1: Clint eastwood um, did motherfucker. Well, I thought he was a cowboy and then a cop. No,
2: his character did. Oh, okay. Uh, Heartbreak Ridge. Oh,
1: yeah. That yeah. was a bad one. Yeah.
2: He went there. Uh, and then...
1: Started so stacking he, swamp so rat bodies. He,
2: so, he, <laughs> so he got wounded in Bloody Ridge, Heartbreak Ridge, and then was wounded twice on the day that he would receive his Medal of Honor, uh, which was on Hill 472. Bad motherfucking Hill.
1: There was something about Korea and Vietnam with numbered hills. It was a really, really bad idea. Yep. Now,
2: um, I'm only going to mention the fact that he has a Medal of Honor because, well, some would say, well, he's got wounded four times, right? He would receive the Purple Heart. Right. For, you know, being wounded. No. No? No. Hmm. No, it's kind of hard to receive no. the, the the receive a uh, a medal like such as the Purple Heart when you actually don't go to the you know to the fo- the rear. Oh, so he wasn't reporting that he was wounded. No, he actually no he didn't because uh, um, he never went back because he would actually fix the injuries himself. <laughs> I because, love this dude because well, there's Koreans and
1: Chinese to kill. Obviously, I mean, we're in Korea during the Korean War where there are Koreans and Chinese, no, 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 as I mean, you mentioned, yeah. to kill. Yeah, but he has a blood feud yes. against them. Yes, so he has this guy can't order fucking no. pork fried rice anymore because he will kill everyone in the restaurant. No, he has to, uh, you know, he has to kill all of them that he can. Yeah, you know, somebody mentions wonton soup and he's gonna go on a fucking spree yeah. back home.
2: So during his time as a forward observer, he would have to send eight radio men uh, back because three were killed. <laughs> they were defective. No. Well, a couple were defective. This one don't work no more. couple were defective. Three were, uh, were killed. Mm-hmm. Five were wounded. Jesus. And then the defective ones were, well, that he had sent back were four because they would panic too much because they were too afraid to be killed. That's his words. okay. Uh, on January... This is back
1: in, the, back in the time period where he would have referred to them as, quote, a bunch of fairies <laughs> and done it himself. Yeah. This is Archie Bunker with a blood
2: feud. Exactly. Uh, on January 12th of 1952, Mr. Rosser was attached to Company L of the 38th Infantry
1: Regiment. No, the company was attached to him. It's Sorry, close. I'm not reading your notes yeah. or anything, but you're wrong. <laughs> yes. The uh, shit that you wrote is incorrect. It's probably it. <laughs>
2: So it was Company L of the uh, uh, 38th Infantry Regiment, 2nd Infantry Division, um, in a region known as the Iron Triangle. The objective on this day was to take a mountain that was held by uh, a battalion. Okay. Battalion.
1: That's uh. A lot over of over fuck- a thousand troops, I think, right?
2: Yeah, um, and they actually had so these guys, you know, that they, there was uh, they actually had reinforcements of 170 riflemen. Um, by the time that they were uh, 70 yards out, they had lost the artillery forward observer, mm-hmm. okay, um, his radio man, and their company sergeant
1: they didn't lose him. they just didn't need him anymore because they have him true and we were right a battalion is a thousand men
2: yeah um now by the time that they got 40 yards away uh, they <clears throat> were down to from 170
1: to 40 or 45 soldiers jesus christ so how far have they moved so far and they've moved lost how many men 30 yards okay and they've lost how many so far
2: uh they have lost over uh, between 30 and 35 men.
1: That's a bad day on the football field, buddy.
2: Well, actually more than that because uh, I'm, I'm wrong. My math is really wrong. 130 to 135.
1: So they've lost 135 guys and they're not in field goal range yet.
2: Yeah. That's bad. Uh, um, well, this is actually forty between 40 and 45 that are left on their feet.
1: Okay. Because so- there's
2: quite a few wounded. Um, now, to make matters worse... Okay, I mean, what's worse than you know, facing a barrage of, freaking, arm you know, of of rounds coming down range at you? You're climbing up a hill. Um, is, Not much. Well, yeah, when it's twenty degrees below zero, uh, at, with, cold ain't w- nothing at that point in time. With a foot of crusty snow on the ground. So yeah, that shit sucks to move in. Their success would, uh, you know. Would be a huge blow for the enemy if mm-hmm. they actually, you know, succeeded. Um, he would... Uh, it, it's
1: like, this isn't like King of the Mountain where you just get to the top and you win. You have to kill everybody between you and there. Yeah. You know.
2: Now, um, so they got to a certain point, They, got, you know, within this 40-yard this, uh, range, okay? He gets on his radio, uh, which was the only one left...
1: Jesus Christ. And he
2: called back to the Regimental <laughs> Command to give a situation report. <laughs> and which was uh that they were out of ammo and down to thirty five effectives. Jesus. Uh, this means that they didn't have much ammo. You're
1: gonna start throwing fucking rocks at well, these sorry, boys now.
2: I I said they were about uh, they were uh, out of ammo or they were about out well, of ammo.
1: Well, there's there's being out of ammo and then there's having absolutely no ammo left. Yeah. Like being out of ammo is like your last couple magazines when you're in a fight like this. Yeah. They're, Having none left is like throwing snowballs at these guys and hoping one of them dies. Yeah. So
2: they, so they had, you know, about no more, no, no ammo left. Okay. Which, you know, kind of obvious. And they had only 35 soldiers able to fight up the hill. That's what, uh, when he, when they says eight, 35 effectives, so mm-hmm. that's what that means for right. anybody that doesn't know. 35, the, uh,
1: still able
2: to fight. Yep. The commander didn't want to talk to him because, well, douche. he was only a corporal, which is understandable because, I mean, you know, you're not the fucking, t- you're not the, the the lead of your, you know, regiment. And is you know? this the
1: same commander that he's been back and forth on a dick measuring contest no, with? No,
2: this is probably like a, I think it's either, it was either a general or a sar- or com- or wow. colonel or something like that. You know, didn't want anything to do with him. He wanted to speak with an officer because, you know, officers, you know, know what they're talking about no. <laughs> or, you know, they could actually, you know, they know how to give the give uh, re- relay what's going on.
1: Now, taking a shot in the dark here, there's no officers left, are there? There is. Oh, shit. Okay. Um,
2: so he wanted to speak to an officer <laughs> and wanted to know if any were still alive, which two were. But they were wounded. Yeah.
1: General Karen needs to speak to the manager ASAP. <laughs> yeah. So Mr. Rosser brought the radio
2: to his company commander, who was badly wounded. Uh, the regimental commander told the company Here, commander. You talk to
1: this asshole.
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, told the company commander that the, I'm sorry. The regimental commander told the company commander to get his men together and make one last push Fuck up sex. that hill to take it.
1: Of course, yeah. To see now. Him
2: put in perspective 35 guys left that can fight your commanders bo- both your uh, your superior officers you know your officers that you have are wounded uh your commanding officer
1: it's a jackass
2: well no well his his direct commanding officer oh, okay his captain is this is how badly wounded he is okay he can hardly talk. Because he has um, had ammo shot, you know, uh, weapons shot at him and everything. And around round has gone, basically, th- like, almost, you know, made it so he couldn't talk, really. Oh. You know, it was that bad.
1: So through the throat, kind of, almost.
2: No, through the mouth, through the oh, through the head.
1: Oh, oh, fuck.
2: Yeah. It was pretty bad.
1: No, no um, shit. I've never seen
2: a good shot to the head before. the The commanding officer told his... The captain told his commanding officer, Yes, sir, what he could and then looked up at the looked up the hill and got a worried look on his face. This is when <clears throat> Good old Mr. Rosser Fucking Captain America here heard someone say, quote, I will lead them for you, Captain. And <laughs> Like <laughs> hell
1: you will, motherfucker. This no, is my job.
2: Well, you jumped the gun, mister, because <laughs> before he realized uh, that who was saying it – well, because you know, he was like, oh, shit, because he's going to put a mount, yeah, hand over his mouth because he was like, uh-oh. He, he then realized – came to the realization that it was actually him that said that. <laughs> uh, he looked up the hill, and he could see a, a 200-man machine gun line. And five heavy machine guns. His captain told him uh, he may not make it and asked him how he was actually going to make it, make his way up to the enemy. Mr. Rosser told him that uh, he could only think of one way, sir, which was straight, straight
1: up to him. Yep. He was uphill uh, both ways. Uh, God damn it. Yes. In the snow, literally in the snow.
2: Uh, He would get the rest of the remaining men together and tell them to follow him. He immediately handed his radio to his assistant and charged head first, straight up, uh, the fire-lighting hill with only uh, M2 carbine and a single grenade.
1: Yee, that's not enough.
2: He would march up the hill going through snow and getting about three feet from the Chinese, and he for some reason stops, looks back, he's all alone. Nobody's with him.
1: Now, did they just pussy out, or did they get lost or The killed? rest of
2: the men had been either killed or wounded Ugh. on the slope to the top. So at
1: least they tried.
0: Yes.
2: It's
1: not like they bitched out and were like, no, nope. Well, he says to himself...
2: Oh well, I came all this way, and he screams, jumps into the trenches with the Chinese and began to shoot and beat the piss out of them.
1: <laughs> I came here to kill Chinese and Koreans and chew bubble gum, and my bubble gum's frozen in my pocket. Yeah. So guess what that means? <laughs> We're killing you. Yep. Uh, he would clear out a trench, and
2: then he would he threw a, he would clear he would clear the trench out that he was in. And he throws a grenade into a machine gun nest to take it out. Right down the fucking barrel. Yep. Fucking. <laughs> poof. Shoot it. Now, throw the fucking grenade. Pull pull the spoon. Yeah, you know, pull the pin. Hold the spoon. Fucking boop, let it go. He would go, continue up the, the trench. And as he would get around a corner of the trench, he saw 35 Chinese coming straight at him. They need more. <laughs> and he wasted uh, no time on them to actually go after him
1: because they tur- they turned tail
2: and fucking turn- and ran.
1: <laughs> They've already heard stories about this guy. <laughs> yeah. And one of their fucking calendars is like, there's a bad white man coming to kill you. One of them looked at it and was like, oh, yeah, that's today. And they, <laughs> yeah. they ran off. So Mr. Roster
2: thought to himself, well, I will just shoot them mm-hmm. um, as he was following along. And then, he, uh, so he's shooting at them, gets, you know, uh, however many, like five, six, and they duck around a corner. So he's like, okay, I'm going to cut them off. So he swings around, and as he, because he sees like a, a T junction or something of the trench, as they're coming through, he's picking them off one at a time. Pop, pop. Now, are pop. they now running at him? No, they're still running away okay, from. Okay, cuz
1: I thought he'd cut around and they're not running at him. No,
2: no. He, he's without realizing co- as it. As they're
1: coming by,
2: you know, where he is in a different trench.
1: So it's not like that game at the fair where the, like the the ducks are going by and you're shooting them with a BB gun.
2: Yeah. Except they're people. One duck, two duck, pow. You know. Kung pow. <laughs> <laughs> yes, kung pow. Uh He cuts them off, gets them down one at a time. He would this is the point where he runs out of ammo. He's like, ah shit. Well, Too bad
1: for the Chinese. He ain't done fighting yet.
2: Yeah, so he would go back to where he had actually first gotten to the trench, into the trench, and he would. This is where he refers to him as a kid. He sees this kid guy. This guy gets up. To, actually, had got up to the trench, wounded.
1: Oh, one uh, of his guys. Yes. Okay.
2: And now, he gets this guy over his shoulder and starts racing back down the hill.
1: (laughs) Keep fucking shooting, son.
2: The whole time, the Chinese were trying to kill him, but he kept going because he couldn't do anything about it because, well, he was out of ammo.
1: Yeah, and momentum is a son of a bitch when Um, you're going downhill. uh,
2: The wounded guy on... that uh, the wounded guys on the ground that, were, that weren't killed, were wounded, they would actually, um, as he would pass them, they would fucking start shooting at the, the Chinese yes. and start picking them up. cover fire, kind yes.
1: of. Except they're all wounded, so they can't uh, retreat.
2: So <laughs> he, he must have, like, turned around and saw this was happening because this actually made him start to laugh. <laughs> now <laughs> inappropriate but hey whatever a lieutenant who was wounded uh stood up in front of him in front of him as he was coming down the hill he stood up in front of him stopped him and asked him if he knew what he was doing and he replied yes sir <laughs> I'm killing them varmints, and I'm all out of ammo, and I need to get me some more.
0: <laughs>
2: the LT said to him, I want to shake your hand. So while the enemy's firing at you know at them... And, he fucking shakes this dude's hand. Yeah, they're shaking hands. Uh, oh. So he would then drop the guy off that was wounded, uh, reload with ammo, oh, and more... Not only just ammo, but also grenades.
1: Obviously, he grabbed yeah. he grabbed a lot of them. And during he's just fucking dragging a box up back up the hill behind him under fire. Yeah, <laughs> you wait till I like, get there, motherfucker! I got a I got one for each one of you. Exactly. So <laughs> I'm gonna stick these up your asses and see what happens. Now, during either the second
2: spoiler alert or third time <laughs> uh, of going through the trenches. He got hit by uh, a grenade, but it was able to, but was able to keep going, and take down more of the enemy.
1: <laughs> Unfortunately, the grenade was killed in combat. He continued fighting.
2: Uh, he said uh, he, he even managed to deflect a grenade tossed at him while he was in the trench. He said quote, "It hit me in the hip and dropped me down against my foot. I couldn't get away from it, so I dove across the Chinaman I just killed. Just <laughs> as I went over." uh, This Chinese soldier, the grenade went off. Uh, This is is the recall of this. Instead of blowing my legs off, it blew the heel off of one of my boots. Then I hit the ground. I bounced back up, and I caught this guy up on his toes, looking to see if uh, he got me. I gave him about six shots uh, in the belly.
1: For a thirty caliber carbine, by the way. Yeah. That's nothing to fuck around with. Like yeah. that's you're you're going to die. It's gonna take a minute, but you're gonna die. Now, like I said It's none of this two two three bullshit. That's a that's a hunting round. That's to kill animals with. Yeah. So
2: he ran ammo, again went back, did it a third time, went back up. Uh now I have to backtrack a little. Sorry, but this is where a little neat part of the story happens.
1: I mean, at what point in time do you just say fuck it and start grabbing Chinese rifles and firing them back?
2: I don't know. You know? I don't think <laughs> you'd want to do it. Uh, fuck so, them. They ain't as good as ours. Yeah. So, when he saw the soldier that had made it up to the trench the first time...
1: The duty carried back. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Uh, there was an enemy gunner that was there. And the gunner looked at him, looked at the soldier... I don't know what it was between the two, but there was something that basically said, "Yeah, just just go." So, professional courtesy. Yeah. So he, you know, he let him go. Went down the hill. Now, jump forward to when he was back in the trenches with more ammo and grenades the <laughs> second time.
1: He shot that guy in the face.
2: <laughs> no, actually, he saw the Chinese soldier that was uh, going to throw a grenade at him. But decided he was gonna throw a grenade at him because he saw him. He's like, "Oh shit, I'm gonna throw right. a fucking grenade at this guy." And he decided against it because uh, he could have killed him and the other guy, but he didn't. You know, the guy, the Chinese guy, didn't kill him. Right. So he's like, "Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna repay the favor, and I'm not gonna kill you."
1: Was it the same guy? Yeah. Okay.
2: So, and according to Mister Rosser, um, he actually never the guy left, and he never saw him again. At all. So Fair. the guy must have taken off and yeah. fucking, you know.
1: He's getting out of Mr. Roster's neighborhood while well, yeah, well, the time, Ex- you know, well, the getting's good. Exactly.
2: Because <laughs> this is Mr. Roster's neighborhood, for sure. Yeah.
1: He came into the trenches, he put his, uh, his cardigan on, he grabbed his chucks, uh-huh. and he started face-fucking Chinese soldiers. But he
2: wasn't asking if they'd be his neighbor. Oh. <laughs> no, <definitely>. Howdy, neighbor.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: Uh, so Mr. Roster would make it back down the hill to a uh, shell hole. This is after his third time of going empty.
0: Jesus Christ. Or, well, close <laughs> to empty.
2: Uh, and in the hole, there were five men who had been wounded, and and there was some ammo. So he actually would reload on the ammo. Uh, he told those guys that, uh, I guess, could walk to go out and get the wounded and bring them back. And the rest of them would provide covering fire right, for, uh, for them. So, they would get as many as they could find, you know, over a period of time, mm-hmm. and they would get back down the hill after, you know, collecting as many as they could, because the, one of the guys come back and said, uh, hey, Corporal, the, 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 you know, roster, there's only, you know, we've got everybody. You know, we can, you know, he's like, okay, let's go. So, of the 70 men... You
1: guys go. I'm going to stay here for a minute. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so, of the 70 men... uh. They were all, of the 170 men, they were all either killed or wounded. And the official numbers were this: Of the 170 men who were uh, with him that day, only 68 returned. Fuck. Uh, 19 were killed, and 12 more were listed as missing in action.
1: Jesus. And we didn't get their bodies back for fucking 20 years.
2: Uh, On December 27th, 1952, Mr. Rosser was presented with the nation's highest award of valor. He lived
1: through this? Yes. Where was all the hand-to-hand stuff you were talking about? I didn't hear anything about that. Oh
2: well. Yeah, I kind of left that out. But he. I, I oh should've... come
1: on! That's so. That was the.
2: Yeah. Well, he he beat said he he, when he ran out of ammo the first time, he actually began beating the living shit out of the guys with his <laughs> rifle, like, hitting them with his rifle until he could get back. I love it. You know. So yeah, he he, he had like I said when he said he had hand-to-hand combat kills you know he said he had them all
1: i grabbed one guy so he came at me screaming right got him in a headlock and i locked two fingers under his bottom jaw got the other two from the other hand inside and i pulled his head in half okay Uh, then i shit inside of it and when the rest of the guys saw what i did they ran away mm, except for that one guy that i caught
2: yeah (laughs) uh so in 1952, uh, actually, to be more precise, on December uh, June, I'm sorry, not December, but June. Start that again. Yeah. Uh, on June 27th, 1952, Mr. Rosser was presented with the nation's highest honor of uh, award of valor by President Harry S. Truman during a White House ceremony. His entire family was in attendance.
1: So, can I throw something in here? You want to know how I know this guy was white, other than I've seen him? He got his Medal of Honor that fucking quickly. <laughs> yeah had he been that it had been like 2012 they'd have been like here you go good job well
2: the thing is is quickly right after that so many of his the guys that actually survived began telling the story mm. and to everybody that they that they saw so it. they're getting
1: multiple accounts from yeah. multiple angles and they're like oh yeah. shit we got to give this guy his thing now yeah. but again still if he had been a black dude it would have been decades later mm-hmm. then i'm like yeah fine here you go
2: um, so after the war, Mr. Rosser served in several capacities, including in Germany and as a paratrooper instructor at Fort Benning, Georgia.
1: Hand to hand combat instructor, also. <laughs> uh,
2: he retired after 22 years when he was denied. Thinking like this. He one. wanted
1: to go to Vietnam. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Why? What do you think for? Huh? Why?
1: Uh, another Either another one of his brothers died, or he thought Vietnam was in Korea. No,
2: another one of his brothers was died. Oh, shit. (laughs) Um, His brother, uh, Gary, was killed. God damn it. Uh, Mr. Rosser went on to earn a college degree and worked uh, several civilian jobs after the Army. He eventually established two scholarship programs named in honor of his fallen brothers. They
1: were not eligible for Asian students. Uh, In
2: 1999, Mr. Rosser donated his Medal of Honor To the state house in Columbia, Ohio. In hopes of inspiring children who visited on uh, field trips. That's pretty cool. Uh, Mr. Roster would pass away on August 26th of 2020.
1: Damn. Damn. So it was a recent one. Okay. Yep. So he, yeah. So. Good on you, dude. Like, I honestly, with the bullshit this guy was doing, I expected him to be, like, dead somewhere on a hill in Korea. But I expected that, too, but... uh, but, Too stubborn to die.
2: Yeah, he, he had... And actually, um, he had that want to go back. Um, he, uh, I didn't put this in here. It wasn't but,
1: a want. It was a compulsion. He well, had to go back. Yeah. Uh,
2: after the whole uh, 472 thing, he actually um, was forced to uh, go back to the rear. And um, he... he didn't want to be there he actually wanted to be back up to the front and actually killing more people yeah because he, Cause he's a crazy person he was good at it and that's yeah. what he liked to do um you know he says some you know some people will say you know he, that they're good at it and they yeah. and they don't really mean it but he goes i was good at it
1: so here's the thing is and, this <sighs> is the only situation where you can be like i'm good at killing people and people are totally fine with it If you're like, uh, say, a Jeffrey Dahmer and you're like, I'm really good at killing people, everybody loses their fucking minds. Yeah. But if you're climbing a hill in Korea with snow up to your giant balls and you're like, no, I'm really good at killing these people, they're like, fuck yeah, dude. Yeah. You are. Keep doing it.
2: Well, this is when when he got to the back. This is when he actually set in on him. Um who he was actually fighting for and kind of changed him around because he really had a hatred for the Korean people. Mm-hmm. But when he saw the, what was actually really happening to the South Korean people. Yeah. Cause he said, you know, he never set foot in South Korea, but he was always, there was in no North-
1: war to fight there.
2: No, he was always in North Korea, but the, the people in North Korea, how, Badly, you know, they were being affected. It actually turned him Some around. shit don't
1: change, though. Yeah. Because people in North Korea are still fucked but, because I mean, of the ha- government. To have uh,
2: a change of heart like that. Yeah. You know, he... Because kinda... it's
1: usually the opposite. You yeah. usually come back hating these people. Like, you know, you, you <clears throat> come back and all of a sudden you're walking down the street and there's a fucking Filipino guy and you're like, he looks almost korean so i already don't trust him and i think you know he, what i mean
2: uh, yeah and i um let's see so 2020 two years so ago who was president uh trump trump yeah he actually <laughs> uh during his little interview he <laughs> he actually gives a account where he actually meets uh president trump and um <laughs> at one of the uh medal of honor ceremonies right and <laughs> he's like well, how do you like being here? He goes, "Well, to be truly honest, I, uh, I've been to uh, every one of these since, uh, you know, I got mine
1: because I forgot <laughs> it, it's a uh, it's an open invitation for anybody who's who's been, who's received that medal. They yeah. can go to all of them. Yeah, that's yeah.
2: So he's like, I've been here since you know, you know
1: <laughs> Christ was in short pants since Truman
2: gave you know, provided me with, with mine. So yeah." This is like old hat.
1: Yeah. Like I ain't missing this shit.
2: <laughs> and you know, I guess Trump was like, "Oh. Okay. <laughs> I've been coming
1: here since before you were born, son." <laughs> yeah.
2: Pretty much. So yeah, so that's uh Mr. Donald Rosser. Goddamn. Who uh
1: I was like, "Holy shit. Did not disappoint." No. Bad, bad, bad motherfucker. Yeah. For sure. Whew. How neither one of these guys died in combat, I still can't figure out. I Because throughout both stories, there's multiple times where both of them were dead to rights. The enemy had them in their sights, could kill them, and they just went fucking ham and were like, nah. I don't think so. Not today. Not today. May, <laughs> maybe later, but today is not your day. No. Sunshine. It's just... uh
2: <laughs> Yeah, I mean,
1: <laughs> you know,
2: like Mr. Ross was know, yeah, He got hit. He's like, you know, the guy that was like that interviewing him, he was like, Didn't you go back? You could you know so that was like a metal, you know, purple heart. He goes, <laughs> He goes, I didn't get a purple heart. Purple heart's don't get your free flight, son. He's like, What do you mean you didn't get a purple heart? You got wounded. He goes, No, 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 no. You have to actually go back to a, a medical facility
0: <laughs> to get a purple
2: heart. Yeah. He goes, I didn't. I stitched it up myself. Oh <laughs> so Yeah. That's uh yeah so that's our uh, that's our Memorial Day 2022 episode. Jeez, uh, I, think, uh, we, I think we, we, we uh... we've
1: definitely put ourselves behind the eight ball for next year because we have to outdo that. I know, and I mean it's it's a shame that I've literally got a list of dudes on my phone that we could start a secondary podcast just talking about badasses for yeah and have approximately 250 episodes of just that one. Probably. So we got plenty. We got definitely. plenty.
2: Oh yeah, there's throughout time.
1: Yeah. So um, yeah, so wow. Uh, actually, sorry to cut you off. No, no. During my research for this episode, I was like, you know, I want to find someone who won a Medal of Honor because they always have the craziest fucking stories, right? And I found a list of Medal of Honor by state. Uh huh. Come to find out, there's a couple from Vermont. One of which uh, I just purchased a book on my Kindle for that he wrote Um, is buried not 25 minutes from here in Rutland. Received a Medal of Honor in the Civil War, and we will be talking about him at some point in time. Huh. Because he was in some big shit. Oh, yeah. In in the Civil War. Yeah. Huh. Uh, The term fire eaters come to mind. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. I know. That's what they, they were called the fire eaters because they, um, because they would charge into battle. Actually one of their, um, he,
1: he, he was in a a sharpshooter platoon.
2: Yeah. One of their, uh, the commander of uh, their unit, (laughs) the the Vermont unit. Yeah. um, Who wasn't from Vermont. No. uh, Actually told like, Gave, I don't know who the who who he was, but he actually gave them that because um the Vermont boys would be charging so
1: far would be like marching so far ahead of everybody else yeah that because we have nothing to live for if you survive the war you have to come back to Vermont Well the thing is die a hero in Pennsylvania
2: <laughs> they, they, they were marching so far ahead that they were like they had they had to send someone up. To tell them to slow down so everybody else could catch up yeah and so many times like the battle uh you know of uh gettysburg uh and so many other you ones kick george it,
1: pickett's dick in if it in wasn't
2: if, if it wasn't for vermont the vermont boys they actually probably would have lost and actually
1: one of the, one of the uh one of the higher-ups from vermont um uh, because the the militias in vermont didn't have enough money to be issued weapons because the civil war, believe it or not, it wasn't the government issuing you weapons and stuff. It was commanders because they had enough money to supply their, their troops with horses and guns and shit like that. So one of the commanders from Vermont didn't have enough money for a firearm. So they got just over the border into Pennsylvania and he found some farmer out in the middle of nowhere and uh, asked the guy very politely, Hey, do you have anything that we can take to go fight the Confederates? And he goes, no, it basically, like, I don't have anything you guys can just pass on through. And he beat the shit out of this guy and stole his wood axe and took that into combat. If it tells you what kind of people you're dealing with up here.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> We're a hardy, hardy people. And yeah. uh, we don't give a fuck about nothing. This guy charged Confederate troops with a fucking wood axe. It was probably dull as shit. So he might as well have been charging them with a hammer. But, yeah.
2: Ever since then, we've kind of been a, you know, strange yep. breed.
1: Yeah. Y'all mess with Texas or Vermont, I guess. Nuh-uh. Everything's bigger in Texas. It's just quieter here in Vermont.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. With that said, um, if, uh, you know, if you're know, if you looking for a pair of headphones, earbuds, Bluetooth speaker, anything like that, and um, look for no further than uh, studio.com. Goddamn right. Look over to Studio. They have it. And you can get a discount if you put the promo code of darkwindows15 in. You get 15% off your entire purchase. So, find what you want. Put it in your checkout, in your basket. Go to checkout. Put that promo code in. Get that 15% off because, you know, why not? But, be aware. Shipping times, because of everything going on, are going to be a little bit long. Just to let you know. Also,
1: you can find us on all the social medias. Yes, yes um more importantly than social media you can go over to patreon.com forward slash dark windows podcast and you can give us some of your hard-earned money and when i say some i mean some like five bucks it gets you access to all of our back catalog of patreon episodes i want to say we're up to like 20 ish now and then if you want to keep paying us you get a free one every week yeah um not always on topic for the main quest line of the show but nonetheless Still good stuff. Usually more stuff that we don't have enough content to do a full hour, hour and a half long episode on. Uh, Unless it's watching videos of Looney Tunes people from a cult. Because we had plenty for that. Um, True. So.
2: That was um, a rarity.
1: That was entertaining and sad all at the same time. Because you almost feel bad for him, but almost. Yeah. Just almost feel bad. Almost. Um,
2: and, uh, also, uh, I said this last week, and I haven't heard, seen anything from anybody.
1: Very we got dis- one more. Very, from, dis- uh, very
2: disappointed in all of you. Well, some of you, not all of you.
1: None of you, actually.
2: Okay, well, <laughs> no, I am. Fuck it. Anyway, so, we
1: want you all to please... If you have it, because not everybody has one. If you have one, or if you've
0: heard
2: of someone that has had one, and they would like to share the story with you, and then you can, you know, pass it along, we would like... Oh, shit, we'll take secondhand stories all day long. of course. Yeah. And we won't even use their name if you don't want us to. Just have to tell us. Send us an email to darkwindowspod at gmail.com, or you can message one of us. Mm -hmm. With a story of paranormal, ghost, UFO, what, whatever, you know, something kind of strange, creepy that's happened to you or, you know, someone that's happened, had this happen to. And because we, we're going to do an episode with that on it. Okay. So yep. we want that.
1: So please, please, please get that to us. And show note, there will be no episode next week. Because we have to work our asses off between this week and next week to bring you the best episode that we can muster for episode two hundred,
2: our last episode. Um, unfortunately, we
1: we are we are doing so much to the point that we have brought one of you in as an accomplice to this. Uh, you know who you are, and you are still bound by uh, Facebook Messenger oath. To not say anything. Yes. You know who we're talking about.
2: Yeah, you better not say anything.
1: So, we are, uh, we're really hoping that this is a good episode. We think it's gonna be, because between the two of us, technically three of us, we have a pretty good working knowledge of said topic. Um, we are just hoping to be able to deliver it in a way where the people that were involved would be proud to hear the story told the way it is. Yep.
2: Yep so for sure
1: um but with that being said do you have anything else to add no we will see you back here in two weeks for episode 200 holy for shit the last one i can't believe it took this long to get here All but right. it did
2: might be it might be a couple parters okay
1: it's definitely going to be at least at least bare minimum two parts but then that's the last yeah. okay we're done which that. is weird because we're asking for stories That we're going to read in an episode after that. Oh. So. Okay, then you're wrong. That's the last one. We're just going to keep going until the fucking wheels fall off, man. All right, fine. We're not doing any maintenance on this this vehicle that we're currently driving. Okay. We're just going to drive it until it fucking falls apart. Okay. And ends a friendship, probably. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe. (laughs) But anyway, until then, just because you can't see out into the dark doesn't mean that the dark can't see into you. (sighs) Bye.